0: Romans 12 verse 1, and this we spoke about last week, Uh, he says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. If you were here last week, you've heard that. Otherwise, I'd encourage you to listen to it on the podcast. Um, But basically, what's happened is this. Paul's gone all the way up this mountain saying, this is what God's done for you, this is what God's done for you, this is what God's done for you, and you're at this peak, and God's done it all. And then he says, now, in light of all of what Jesus has done, in light of the Holy Spirit with you, in light of all of that, give your whole life, every aspect of your being, every moment of your life, every bit of your thinking, every bit of your possessions, every bit of your money to what? To God, and make yourself a living sacrifice. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. Don't do what the world does. Don't love what the world loves. Don't be shaped by the things of this world. Don't think you're going to get your joy and your passion from the things that this world says you're going to get them from. You're not. But be transformed, that is be moulded, be changed by the Holy Spirit through the Word, the Bible. Let the Bible shape your life in the power of the Holy Spirit. Then you'll be able to test and prove God's perfect, pleasing and good will. All right, so you don't need to listen to last week's sermon now. Um, But uh, then Paul goes on to say, what's this going to work out like as Christians within the body? How's it going to look? He says this, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Okay. It's a great passage today. So Hopefully we'll have a bit of fun with it. Um, for by the grace given me, he says, I say to every one of you. Now he started this in light of the mercies of God or in light of the grace of God, give your life as this living sacrifice. And now he's saying, this is how I've found it works in light of the mercy or the grace given to me. Now, Paul understood what it was to be under grace, didn't he? He was breathing out murderous threats, so he wasn't like a good guy turning the corner. He was a rotten guy going bad and going worse, and Jesus appeared to him. That's grace. He understood that. Grace is absolutely everything to us. You know when we get wingy complaining? It's not fair. We've... Yeah. poor me I'm hard done by we are not hard done by we're under grace God sent his son to die for us we are not hard done by do you understand even the, the Christian martyr uh, who, who's about to die for their faith is not hard done by because they know they're under grace which is eternal and it's going to take them to heaven do you understand this never wins you are under grace God has poured his incredible grace on you which is not my script okay uh, where was I? Um, he knew he'd been called by grace. Paul got the fact that there was undeserved favour. We are under the same grace. We were no better than Paul, or no worse. All of us were lost without the gift of grace. So in light of that grace, he says, in light of the fact that it's come to you as a gift, do not think of yourselves more highly than you are. Aren't we doing that all the time? But rather think of yourself with sober judgment. Don't big note yourself. Don't be full of yourself. Don't think you're better than anyone else. Don't think that life is all about you. All you have is a gift of grace. Not because you were better, you had a better heart or more potential. Everything we have, we've received. The righteousness we have from God, we've received. It's a gift. We didn't contribute to it. I think Rob Hemming gave us something really helpful to understand when he said uh, a couple of months ago, he said, the, he said it, we kind of think sometimes, we're, we're, here's Jesus, and we're right up to here, we've got a few things right, and Jesus died for the gap. And he said, no, Jesus died for the lot. The 100%. Everything we'd done was fallen short. He needed to die for it all. Everything we have is from God. So he's saying this, don't big note yourself. Admit this. It's all from God. It's all a gift. Um, it's a bit like this. And I've I, I heard this in real life. Uh, a son inherited a farm from the parents. He was actually given it outright. No, no debt. The whole farm with no debt. And then later on said, yeah, but I've worked very hard on that farm as if he deserved it. He did it. It was given to him. It's a gift. Do you understand that? The work came after and the hard work's good to do on a farm. But that's not what gives the gift. Do you understand? Everything we have is of grace. It comes from God. So, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober justice, eh, sober, justice sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. In accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Paul's talking to a church here. He's talking to Christians. How many of these, how many Christians have received faith? One. All of them. Thank you. Right. They all receive faith. Faith that saves is the same for all who believes, isn't it? And God gives it to us. You either have it or you don't have it. You've either trusted in Jesus alone for your salvation as a gift, or you've trusted in something else, probably yourself. God has distributed the gift of faith to each of you. Now, Paul's not saying you'll have lots of faith one day and another faith to act. If you're really having a faith-filled day, act in accordance with that faith, and when you're having a faithless day, well, well you won't do anything that day, will you? it be useless. He's not saying that. Okay, He's saying faith has come to you through salvation. Jesus has given that to all who trust in him. You have it. It hasn't come from yourself. It was given to you. So when you know that, You won't think more highly of yourself than you should and you'll have sober judgement. Look at it this way. If I came to you and gave each one of you an orange Now oranges are a little bit different but mostly they're round with little dimples and they're orange. Okay. You didn't ask for it, I just gave you an orange. Would you say, well I'm better than you, Clyde look at my orange. I deserved it more than you. I'm under grace more than you. Who can boast? Don't think of yourself more highly than this. Everything you have, including your faith, is received by God who distributed it to you. When you understand that, it humbles you. It causes you to thank God for everything you have and it causes you to live your life as a living sacrifice to God. How great is our Lord and Saviour Jesus. I mean, how wonderful is it? He is awesome. How sweet is Jesus? No, seriously, there's none better than him. There is none greater. He is everything. I I, I think if you spent every moment of your life praising him, you wouldn't have wasted a minute. And you wouldn't be any worse or better for it. You love our Lord Jesus. Don't, Don't let religion or the things of life ever overcome your love for our God. He is wonderful. Don't let anything overcome He is our beloved Lord. So, where are we? When uh, we know that we're under grace, then we lift God to the highest place. We have sober judgment. We are humbled because we live life to the praise of his glorious grace. Now, now that he spoke about, yes, you've all received faith to believe, he now talks about something which is unequal. That's a bit unfair, isn't it? This is that you've all got an orange, but some of you got an apple and some of you got a banana. (laughs) Not fair. It was all given to you, by the way. For just as is verse four, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, though many, we who form one body, each belongs to all the others you have been given things and you do not exist for yourself you don't come to, you're not part of the church to re, to receive yes you will receive but understand you are part of a church to give yeah do you understand that to others because god has given every one of us a different form of ways to give so we are all about giving if you start thinking about uh, receiving all the time from other Christians and you become complaining and you don't lift God up and you don't think of life as you ought you are under grace do you understand what I'm saying we exist for others and each of member belongs to all the others all members are an, under an obligation to serve the others because they all belong to each other that's really cool isn't it that's really really good In Christ, by the grace of God, as a gift to us. So don't think of yourself more highly, because when you do, you want to receive and you won't want to give. Give to others. You are under grace. Verse 6. We all have different gifts. Uh, We have different gifts, sorry. (coughs) According to the grace given to each of us. Gift here means, again, something given by the Holy Spirit. So it hasn't come from us. I, you have to keep saying this because often when people talk about spiritual gifts they're talking about themselves they're given so no one's better than the other but we do have different roles it's a mystery as to why the Holy Spirit gives to people because sometimes we think he would obviously give someone who's very good at something the gift of that but that's not how he does it you know it's funny isn't it he chose Moses a bloke with a stutter he had a speech in, you know, impediment He chose him to speak to all of Israel and to lead them, and most of his leading was speaking. Why would God do that? Do you understand? He he gives gifts as he sees fit. And so often the people who are very lonely as far as this world concerns and who don't stand up in front and preach to people like I do but the people who sit at home and, at the, and do the, in the relationships of life and in their work and stuff and speak the truth of Jesus Christ those people have all the gifts of God that are, that are wonderful do you understand? Because the Holy Spirit empowers what they do yeah look this is not exciting so just be bored, right I, um no gifts are more valuable than others, but each, they meld together, they fit together. Now, people get uptight about spiritual gifts, and, and they do it, because it's funny that 1 Corinthians, Corinthians is written to a group of people who were, who were all fighting over who had the best gift and who had the most miraculous one and which miraculous one was the best, and obviously it was tongues they thought and all that sort of stuff. And, and people call them, the gifts listed in 1 Corinthians, the miraculous gifts. Wow. But these ones I've read to you today, they call them the motivational gifts. The boring ones, really. The ones that most normal people have, you know. Boring gifts. It's a load of rubbish. Right? It's a load. It, they are all gifts given to us by the Holy Spirit. Do you understand that? Yeah? <laughs> given to the service of others. So why would you show off about a gift anyway? Because it hasn't come from you, it's been given from God anyway. So... We get up tight about gifts, but the reality is, well, actually, if you think about it, when Paul wrote to the churches, he wrote to, you know, you've got, to, I don't know how many letters he's got. don't know, about 15, I don't know, 20, I don't know, how many letters. He included spiritual gifts in about two. So, so all those other teachers never got taught about holy spiritual gifts. Well, they would have been sucking churches to go. They would have been boring, wouldn't they? They. Sorry, I'm I'm pushing this a little bit. In the, to those other churches, so he did say things like to the Galatians, keep in step with the Spirit, and to the Ephesians, go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. He never he never worked out what that means. You see, it's the same thing. If you never heard of spiritual gifts, then do this. Do what the Holy Spirit leads you to and empowers you to do, and just do it, whatever that looks like. Do you get me? Yeah. yeah. Then we don't have to be all tight. Okay, we're going to go. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. Now, it it seems to, um, that is the one gift lifted almost in every list, is prophecy. And Paul does say everybody should desire to prophesy, to bring God's word. Everybody. Okay? We should all desire that. And the truth is everybody at one time or another will prophesy. In other words, God will speak to them. You, you might be, uh, you, look, you could be in IGA and you're talking to somebody, and you just, it, it just feels like God has given you, for that specific situation, what they're going through, to speak into their life. We'll talk about more what that might look like in a minute. But we should all desire that. But then also, Paul seems to speak in this and other places that certain people have a more ongoing ministry in prophesying. Okay. And if you look up Acts 21:9, you'll find that that includes women. Okay, just say that because people wonder. Okay, just speak words as God leads for specific concrete situations in the context of what's going on there. Not necessarily being an upfront thing. It often this happens just in Bible studies in in after the sermon talking about things, that sort of stuff. Okay? But In Christian conversation, God gives wisdom. That makes it a really good gift, doesn't it? God's actually speaking in someone's life right then and there. It's really important. Um, And and everybody should desire it. You you want that. You want God's perspective on whatever you or the people around you are facing. You want that, don't you? Yep. The, The words of prophecy are always based on the gospel, That is not the whole mess. That's not saying that every time someone prophesies, they say Jesus died on the cross to take away your sins. That's not what it is. But they're based on that. Because Revelation nineteen ten says, "For it's the spirit, for it is the spirit of prophecy that bears testimony to Jesus. The Holy Spirit through prophecy bears testimony to Jesus. It will always be based on the foundation of Christ and what He's done for you." Now, that's probably helpful because that'll teach you how you can find out because there's a lot of false prophets talked about in the New Testament. Uh, False prophets are dangerous. I am going to go into this a bit. I hope this is not too painful for anybody. But how can you be exposed? Well, false prophets can be exposed if they don't have a foundation on Christ for a start. Because if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. What's your faith about? Your faith is what Christ has done for you to save you prophesy in accordance with that does that make sense it's got to be in accordance with the gospel so therefore it's not going to be about me look at what I've, I've got some wisdom for you how is that? What is it that's what they do something like that and I feel pretty cool doing that um, I don't know what it means it could be bad <laughs> um, it's not about being fully yourself it's about God So be slow to prophesy. In other words, don't claim God's words. Don't claim the words you speak are from God. It's a very dangerous thing sometimes when someone gets called a prophet because what they can think is that every thought they have, every dream they have, is from God. (laughs) Gee, we have some crazy dreams after we eat pizza, don't we? Tacos, they do it for me. Imagine if I thought that was all from God. Imagine if I, in every conversation I have with every one of you, every thought that came into my head, I thought, well, that's from God, i better say it. I don't know if you know my brain. you don't want that. Okay? Uh, That's why Paul says, don't treat prophecy with contempt, but test everything. It's very dangerous to just think, uh, well, actually, if you hear people start with, God told me uh, this, it had better be... From God, okay. Otherwise, it's false prophecy, which is a dangerous sin because it, you see, prophecy speaks for the building up of the body and the encouragement of one another. So, false prophecy tears down the hearer. Okay, an example of this in this town was when a, a, a young girl was very sick uh, quite a few years ago, um, and people said to her, "God said you will be healed." She died. What did that mean? Non-believers actually thought, oh, Christian idiots. What are they on about? Believers thought, what's God doing? Yeah? God must be a liar. They become disillusioned with God. The problem wasn't with God. Hey, False words are very dangerous. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'll give you a really serious example then to make it come home to you. Be very careful because you see, if someone says, God wants you to know, it better be what God wants you to know. Okay? God wants you to know that he's not angry with you. Guess what? If you're stuck in your sin and you haven't trusted in Jesus, God is angry with you. Yeah? The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness. Do you understand? Don't speak words like that. God wants you to know that everybody, blah, 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 everybody wants to be healed. Not true. Don't say words from God's mouth when they're not from God's mouth. It's very dangerous. Okay. But in light of that, that all seems like a firm warning. Desire prophecy. Every one of you, desire to hear from God. Desire to be able to speak. Desire that, but check it. In accordance with what? Well, first start, in accordance with the gospel, which means it's a grace, which means you've received everything from God and know the scriptures. Do you read the scriptures? How much do you read the scriptures? All of us know we should read the scriptures more, don't we? Right. It's a good thing to do. Do it. You understand? Because they pack the ability to see truth and lies, don't they? Yep. How can you know what's truth and lies if you don't know what truth and lies is? Okay, I've said my bit. Okay, of prophecy. If it is serving, then to serve. Now, I tell you, with regard to the miraculous gifts, if a self-centred human being serves another person, that is a miracle. Okay, there is no greater miraculous gift than serving, hey? Yeah? Or... In- yep. All right. okay. Um. The Greek word here means practical service. If you've got a gift of practical service, you know what that looks like, yeah? Then use it in accordance with the faith given you. What does it mean in accordance with the faith given you? Well, it's not something you're proud and you show off about and say, look what I did for you, because you've received grace. So because you've received grace, you give to others in grace. That's what it's about, isn't it? In accordance with your faith. If your gift is teaching, then Teach. Now, teaching as opposed to prophecy, prophecy is more like speaking about a concrete situation. Teaching is just teaching. It's always true. It's what's in the word of God. Teach on that. It's always true. We, everybody has a role to teach. Now, if you want to know about t- teaching children, you've got to go back through the podcast, not last sermon, the one before from Dear and Bandy. We spoke all about um, what it is to discipline children, to be parents, to be children. Uh, and and that like that's from two weeks ago. But I tell you this, if you're a parent, teach your children. Teach them. The Holy Spirit works through that. I think every, every parent has a gift of teaching for their children in every situation, in everything. It's a very powerful thing to teach people wherever the opportunity arises. Like You know that verse we did last week from Deuteronomy? When you're walking down the street, when you're driving the car, Teach. Teach your children all the time. Okay, if your gift is encouragement, then give encouragement. What a blessing encouragement is, isn't it? Now, what, a, what encouragement is not, is not affirmation and nice words. Gee, you look beautiful today, Ned. How do you feel? Blushing. Yeah, good. Um, it's not just nice words. No. It's giving encouragement in accordance with your faith. The most encouragement, most encourage, the most encouragement, encouragement that you could ever give anybody is going to be based on what God has done for them in Christ. It's not going to be just petty little, "You look pretty, you're wonderful," yeah. No, give them something with some meat in it. Gospel meat, yeah. Okay. If you if you're giving, then give generously. That's really talking about money, uh, but, but other things too. But um, give, give from the heart in accordance with your faith. Your faith tells you that, you that all your money is God's anyway and it's come from God. So give in accordance with, with that knowledge. Um, uh, uh, I lost my place. but uh, Give knowing that you have received it by grace anyway. So it's not yours to have. So give. If your gift is to lead, then do it diligently. Be careful in your leading. Don't just say stuff you shouldn't say. Don't, without it, you know what I'm saying. Be a diligent leader. Make decisions carefully and let your decisions be affected again by grace. Yep. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Why did it say cheerfully with regard to mercy? Because showing merciful, to, being merciful to others is hard work. Why? Because people are hard work sometimes, aren't they? No one nodded at that? Okay, people are never hard work. Okay. People are often difficult and complaining and undeserving. So show mercy cheerfully in, in accordance with your faith, obviously. Because... God has showed us mercy, we show mercy. Now in all of this, Paul, I'll say it once more, I've said it over and over again, Paul is saying this, these are gifts. They are given to you, they have come by grace, and work it all out in light of Christ, who is our righteousness, our holiness, our redemption, and understand that any power you have to do anything good in any way for any person ever... That's going to be of any value, it's going to come from the power of the Holy Spirit. Yep. Not your wisdom, not your power, not your anything else. So live all in view of the mercy of God. Then the church will be our most wonderful body. Because division will come when people don't think of themselves, uh, do think of themselves more highly than they ought. Therefore, they won't have sober justice, and sober judgment, and they won't act in accordance with faith, which is by grace. I want to read the next passage, although it's next week's, because I want you to see where he goes from here. Uh, but we will talk about it next week. He says he immediately mentions love. Hey, I haven't mentioned the word love today, but it's all love, isn't it? Everything's about love. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be, de- be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourself. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice, practice, hospitality in 1 Corinthians 4.7 Paul says for who makes you different from anyone else what do you have that you did not receive and if you did receive it why do you boast as though you did not everything we have is a gift of God's grace, be graceful you know? be gracious be, be those people who live out what God has poured into us He has poured grace upon grace and mercy upon mercy and love upon love and we never deserved a bit of it. So how about if we become people who flow that grace out, that living water flows into us by the power of the Holy Spirit and flows out to others, then what will we be? Well, we'd be the church. I'm going to pray. Father, we want to thank you for all that you've given us. You have been so wonderful to us. We want to praise you and say there is no name higher than yours. You are worthy of all glory and honour. All power is yours. And Father, we thank you that in your mercy and your grace, you have loved us, you have called us. And Father, you have called us to be living witnesses of your love and grace. That by our love, we might be known as your disciples. Father, I pray that you would empower us to live in this. And Father, in all those places where we haven't lived in this, where we've looked down on others, where we've gossiped, where we've slandered, where we've been filled with hatred and enmity, Father, expose that for what it is. And Father, I pray that you would purge us from that in the power of your Spirit, that you would wash us again with your blood. That we might live in all the power it is to be called children of God. That we might love one another as you've loved us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.